Hey, welcome everyone. Uh, today we're kind of celebrating uh, John Wesley's birthday. He was born uh, June 28th, 1703. So it's it's his 319th birthday. So uh, today we were just kind of focusing on, on who Wesley is and, and what he did in our faith as Methodists. But as we start today, I want to reread our, our scripture from Philippians. Philippians 1, 6. Uh, such a great verse. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. I've always loved this verse uh, that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Uh, I know Paul was writing to the church, but I can't help but think that as he was writing, he was even reflecting about his own life, you know, because he was transformed by God. I'm sure he could hardly fathom where God had taken him so far. You know, Paul's Damascus Road experience, it would shape his life forever. It would it would shape the trajectory of Christianity forever and, and our faith. You know, he had Paul had always been a man of convictions, but before he met Jesus on that dusty Damascus Road, his convictions led him to persecute and kill those of the way as early Christians were called. But he was transformed by Jesus when he met him on that road. Even his name was changed from Saul to Paul. It was in this confidence, though, this assurance that Paul wrote to the early church. And when I, when I reflect on the life of Paul, I'm always struck by his convictions, his faithfulness in the midst of persecution and hardships, uh, his life wasn't easy, but but here's the thing: it was full of joy. His life was joyful. He uh, he had purpose and resolve that that Jesus was worth it all. That's the way we should live too, with that resolve. Uh, Paul willingly poured out his life to follow Jesus. I like men and women of conviction of faith like that. You know, Paul would go on to write later on in Philippians. This is chapter three, verse twelve through seventeen. Let me read this whole text for us. Such a great passage. Chapter 3, uh, if you have your Bible, you could follow along 12 through 17. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. I love that. Um, I love that idea of holding fast. And he goes on verse 17. Brothers and sisters, join me in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have seen in us. Paul kept pressing on. No matter what happened in his life, he kept pressing on. And that's really the calling of all of us. Let us press on. As Methodists, today as we're looking at the life of John Wesley, we, we understand this idea of pressing on, of living in the assurance of faith that we've been given. We understand this because of our heritage of people like John and Charles Wesley. They were men that pressed on. You know, John and Charles helped birth a movement of God in the 18th century that is still going strong today. 
As I said, he was born June uh, 28, 1703 in Epworth, England. His father, Samuel, he was an Anglican priest, and his mother was a faithful woman of God who helped raise her children in the church. They were poor most of their life. In fact, uh, their father, Samuel, for a time was even in debtor's prison because he couldn't afford to pay the debts that he owed. Wesley knew hardship. Uh, when, when John was young, he almost died in a fire. The house burned completely down and he was snatched at the last moment uh, before the house collapsed. And John's mom, Susanna, always thought that because of that, that there would be something special about John and that God had something in mind for him. You know, both John and, and Charles went to Oxford, England to study, and they were studying to become Anglican priests. They were kind of following in their father's footsteps, as it were. And while at Oxford, they, they started what they called the Holy Club. And this Holy Club was a group of men that would gather together daily. They would pray. They would uh, sing hymns. They would read the scriptures. They would hold each other accountable. They'd ask questions about, you know, how is it with your soul? Where are you sinning? Where are you falling short? How can we help you grow in grace? Uh, and because of this uh, commitment that they had, many of the other students at Oxford made fun of them. They called them names like Bible Moss or Bible Bigots because they were so focused on the Bible. But another name that they were called was Methodists. It was a der derogatory name, but it kind of stuck. And uh, they were called Methodists because John was so methodical in what they did and how they lived their life. John was strict in his discipline, but he didn't find much joy in his life. He always felt like he didn't measure up to God's standard, and that there was always something really missing in his life. So in 1735, uh, he and his brother Charles uh, decided to go to America to become missionaries to the Americans there and to the Native Americans that were there as well. Charles, Charles was going to be the, the secretary to the first governor of the state of Georgia, and, uh, and also had a church. And John, he was going to be at a church in Savannah, Georgia, and, uh, and to do mission work, as I said. But before they went to America, John wrote in his journal these words, my chief motive is the hope of saving my own soul. Here, Wesley's an Anglican priest. He's going to be a missionary, and he's struggling with his faith. He doesn't know if he's saved. Uh, he doesn't have joy or the assurance of salvation. But while they were on that, that boat ride over to America, a huge storm came up and uh, it threatened to uh, capsize the boat that they were on. In fact, one of the main masts was broken and, and Wesley wrote in his journal that he feared for his life. But on that boat were a group of Moravians, Christians, uh, a group that was coming to America. And Wesley wrote that while the storm was going on, that they were at peace and they were singing hymns at, during the height of the storm, Wesley wrote this in his journal. The Germans calmly sung on. I asked one of them afterwards, was you not afraid? He answered, I thank God, no. I asked, but were not your women and children afraid? He replied mildly, no, our women and children are not afraid to die. Wesley was shocked by their answer because here were these commoners, not afraid, and here he is, this Anglican priest, and he's feared for his life. Uh, and while these commoners were at peace, he didn't have peace, and he longed for that peace. 
But they, they made it to Georgia, they survived the trip, and they began to miss their mission work in earnest. Uh, Charles's health was terrible most of the time that uh, they were in Georgia, and the people of the church really hated him. In fact, uh, they hated Charles so much they stole all of his furniture out of the parsonage, and he slept on the floor most of the time, even when he was sick. John wasn't, it wasn't much better for John either in his church. The people didn't understand John or Charles because both of them are really kind of proper English priests, Anglican priests with a stiff collar, and here they're coming to America, and everyone in America didn't want that. They didn't want this proper English uh, priest. They were now Americans, and so they just really didn't mix well with the people. They, they were pretty terrible missionaries, uh, pretty terrible priests there in America. Well, uh, Charles, after about nine months, he decides to go back to England. He said, I've had enough. John, more stubborn, he decided to stay and stick it out. Well, John falls in love with a young woman named Sophie Hopke. And, uh, and, and so if, if John was a, a terrible priest and a terrible missionary, he was even worse when it came to love and women. He didn't know what to do. He kept going back and forth as far as wooing this young woman, Sophie, or trying to decide if he should stay single. And, and there was another man courting Sophie at the time, and, and he asked Sophie to marry him. And so this really undid John. Uh, and in fact, he was so upset. The next Sunday when Sophie and her family came to take communion, John refused to give them communion. Now, the, the, the people of the church were in an uproar. They threatened to run him out on a rail. Uh, they were just outright outraged at what John had done. And so finally, John went back to England a broken man. He found himself still doubting his salvation. He'd failed as a priest. He'd failed as a missionary. And he had failed in love. And here he was. But he pressed on, as Paul wrote earlier, you know, to the Philippians. He kept pressing on. He didn't give up. John remembered back to those Moravians who were on that boat, who in the midst of the chaos of the storm and the trials of life were at peace. And he thought to himself, I want that. I want that peace. So he and his brother Charles, they both struggled with having that peace. So they sought out a man named Peter Bowler, who was the leader of the Moravians. Uh, this was at one of their lowest points spiritually when they met with Bowler. And, and they couldn't understand how Bowler had so much confidence in Jesus and such joy in living for Jesus. And Wesley would uh, argue with Bowler back and forth over and over again, but he always lost the arguments. And Wesley would write uh, that they were the best arguments to lose. I like that. See, really, Wesley didn't understand grace. He thought he had to live up to a certain standard in order for God to accept him. And he was constantly plagued with this doubt because he couldn't live up to a standard that he thought he had to. Uh, but Wesley's life was about to change. The date was May 24th, 1738. Wesley was invited actually to a Moravian Bible study that was taking place on Aldersgate Street in London. And when he arrived, the leader of the study was reading the preface of Luther's commentary to the book of Romans. And Wesley wrote in his journal that at about 8.45 p.m., quote, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law 
of sin and death. This was really John Wesley's Damascus Road experience. His life would never be the same. He finally understood that it isn't about the good that Wesley had done. It was always about the good that God had done. It was always about the grace that had been given first. Our salvation is only in Jesus Christ by grace. Jesus died to save us and Jesus accepts us where we are, but we don't stay where we are. He calls us to live a holy life. Wesley thought he had to be perfect first before God would accept him. He had him reversed. He uh, and Finally here, Wesley realized that it isn't his perfection that saves us. It's Jesus's perfection that saves us. And so we are saved by grace and then called to live a holy life where God helps us by grace to become holy. We don't become holy first and then God accepts us. He accepts us first. That grace comes first. Wesley had this amazing, what we call his Aldersgate experience. What's fascinating to me is that Charles had a very similar experience the same week. And from there, really, the Methodist movement began in earnest. It was this encounter with Jesus that made all the difference. That's the way it is with us. It's an encounter with Jesus that makes all the difference. What I love about the story of the Methodist movement is that it started with two men who were really failures. They had failed as priests. They had failed as missionaries. John had failed in love, and he doubted his own faith. Yet God could use a failure to transform the world. I don't think he heard me. God can use a failure to transform the world. That means he can use you and me in the same way. We just have to be open to that grace to receive that gift. You know, historians said, say that Wesley and his Methodists transformed the landscape of England. In fact, keeping up it from bloody rebellion as what was going on in France at the same time. The Methodist movement transformed England. It transformed America in the 1800s. Today, it is transforming the continent of Africa. At one time in American history, one in three Americans were Methodists. If you don't think that God can use you to do amazing things, then you don't understand the power of God's grace. Because God can use you, even you, in amazing ways. You see, you might not believe it. You might doubt it right now, but, but I don't doubt it for you. I am confident like Paul, again, from Philippians. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It's not about the good work that you have done. It's about the good work that Jesus has done for us. That's what we cling to. It's not about what you've done. It's about the good work that Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on Jesus. Let us pray. How grateful we are, Lord, for the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. We're thankful that, that Wesley was given that assurance on that day of Aldersgate. And just like Paul, so many centuries earlier on that Damascus road where he was given confidence and assurance and transformed in Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray that you would come and transform our lives right now. May we lean into your grace that we can come to you just as we are, broken with our failures, and you can even use us. You can use us in amazing ways. We're so grateful, Lord, for your amazing grace. 
And for this day, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all be blessed.